Father, it's been a wonderful morning, Lord. It's been such a wonderful time to worship you and to pray and to share in the communion service and to, to sing. It's been wonderful, Lord. But now, Lord God, it's, we come to this time in our service, Lord, where we want to hear your word being proclaimed, Lord. We want to hear it be proclaimed, Lord, not by a man, but Lord, we want to hear the spirit of the living God communicating truth to our spirit, Lord. The spirit of the living God speaking through your word today. So gracious God, in your mercy, in your grace, draw close to us, O oh God. Father, in your mercy, Father, outpour your spirit, O oh God. Use faltering and failing lips, Lord. Even mine, Lord, to declare the mysteries and the wonders of God. Pray you'll bless Kim as she signs, Lord, for our brothers and sisters who are deaf. Pray a blessing to be upon her hands. Lord, for every single person here today, I do ask that your spirit will come upon them, Lord, in kindness, in gentleness, touching and revealing truths from your word. And we praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been looking at Romans and... Um, the gospel of God, as I um, call this whole series in Romans. If you miss any of them, you can always go online. They're, they're there again. You can always follow up on, on that if you, if you want to. Now, I need to lay the foundation again in chapter 2. I need to lay the foundation because Paul was addressing in chapter 2 um, those whom were religious that's who he, was, who he was addressing. And, and Jesus uh, had the same problem with religious people in his day. And look what Jesus says about religious people. He said, woe to you, teachers of the Lord and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside. But on the inside, you are full of the bones of the dead. And everything that is unclean. Now the reason why Jesus spoke so harshly to those Pharisees. Is because they have been entrusted with so much. They have been given so much. And Jesus speaks to them so harshly. And rebukes them so harshly. Because he loves them. That's why he rebukes them. Because of love for them. It's like a mother when their child runs across a busy road and the mother pulls the child back and shakes the child until her eyes are rolling around her head and he says, if you do that again, I'm going to kill you. Well, she's not going to kill her, really. But the love that she has for that child. And, and Jesus speaks, and I want you to see this in chapter 2. The reason why Paul is speaking so harshly to those Jews is because he loves them. That's why. And we see that in chapter 9. Look what he says in chapter 9. He says about the Jews, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself was cursed and cut off from Christ. For the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. I want you to see this morning that Paul has a love for his own people. And that is why he speaks so harshly 
so strongly to them is because of his love for them. So keep that in mind as we go through the next three points that I have before you. The first really I want to speak to you about is neglecting the word. Paul here in these verses speak about how much the Jews have. Let's look at it together. It says this. Now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and boast in God, if you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of little children, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. Paul is saying that you have been given so much. You are fully loaded. Look what you've got. You're Jewish. You have a relationship with God. You can know the will of God. You can approve of higher things. You are a guide to the blind. You are a light to those in the dark. You are an instructor of the foolish. You are a teacher of children. You have been given so much. Wow. And the reason why they have so much and they can do so much is because they have the word of God. That's the only reason that separates them from all the other nations in the world. The only reason that separates those people was because they had the word of God. That's why they were wise instructors. That's why they were teachers and guides. That's why they were lights. Because they had this book. Now before I go any further, I must draw a parallel with the church here. What do we have in our hands? What do I have in my hand? What do you have on your phones and your tablets? What do we have before us on the screen? We have nothing else but the word of truth. We have the word of God in our hands. And it's this word that Paul says that can make you have a light in your life. David says, your word is a light to my feet and a lamp to my path. God's word brings light. But did you know that so-called Christians in the 16th century, did you know that the Catholic Church burnt these books? Did you know that? In the 15th century, 16th century, Call it the Dark Ages. The reason why it's called the Dark Ages is because the light was being extinguished. And the Catholic Church made it against the law for you to own one of these books. And if you owned one of these books, you will be arrested. The books will be confiscated and they will be burnt. And so throughout those 15, 16 centuries, the church... I can't believe I'm even saying this. The church... Burnt Bibles in the thousands. Even now, many countries today, 
restrict the printing and the reading of the word of God. And even in some universities in England, the Bible is banned. Do you know why the word of God is so important? Listen to Jeremiah when he speaks about the word. When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. That's Jeremiah's view on the Bible. When your word came, I ate them. I took them into myself. They were my joy and my delight. That's the word of God. But you see, today, sadly, the word of God is not being consumed like that. We don't burn Bibles in our country anymore. Thank God for that. But nevertheless, God's word is still neglected. Still very, very. We need a revival of the word of God. That's what we need. You see, I belong to part of this WhatsApp group. And I love my, my friend John. John's somewhere around in the house. But John, he, he puts a Bible verse in, on the WhatsApp group. But he can't just put one verse. He says, I can't put, I can't put a whole chapter. And so every time we have a whole chapter, and I love reading it, because this one verse is good, but he was the whole bag. And, and, and the word of God is like that. Why? Because look what Jesus says in Matthew. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's what Jesus said. Man should not live by bread alone, but too busy with thinking to herself, what should I have tonight? Is it KFC, or is it McDonald's, or is it the Indian, or the Chinese? And we sit there, we think about what we're going to eat. And we plan out our meals. But Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. That proceeds from the mouth of God. My dear friends, I want to tell you this morning, God's word is so important. You have God's word. I have the word of God in my hand. And I want to say to you this morning, we need a revival of the word of God again in our churches. That's what we need. And so these men that Paul was speaking to, they had the word of God. That's why they were fully loaded. That's why they had full, um, they were entrusted with so much. They had the word of God, but they neglect that very word. But not only did they neglect the word, but also the responsibility. The responsibility. You see, they had a responsibility. And having God's word gives us a responsibility. And sadly, Paul had to turn to these Jews that he's dealing with and had to say to them, you've got responsibility, but I want to talk to you about stealing, adultery, idols. Look what Paul says to them. You then who teach others, Do you not teach yourselves? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? 
Paul speaks to these men and he echoes the words of Jesus. Because Jesus speaks about these men in, in Matthew's gospel. He said to the disciples, Jesus said to the crowds and to the disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. We have to say, I have to say with a very, very heavy heart this morning that the church has fallen into that pit of not practicing what it preaches. I was speaking to a lawyer and he was a criminal lawyer, he's retired now, but he said to me just this week, just the other day, he said to me that we often see hypocrisy in others but find it difficult to see in ourselves. He's right. Those of you who drive know that when you get into your car, you know that when you get into your car, there is a blind spot as you sit in the driver's seat. You've got the inside mirror, you've got the outside mirror, but you know that these mirrors, although they're very good, there's a blind spot that you cannot see unless you turn around and check physically that nothing is coming. Those of you who drive know that. But I want to tell you, often there's a blind spot in our own hearts. We often do not see the hypocrisy that lies there. We can criticize and point to other people, but it's very, very difficult to look at what's going on in our own hearts. That's why the Bible says, Lord, search me, O God, and know me. Try me and see if there's any wicked way in me. Lord, you do the searching, because if I do the searching, I will overlook everything. Sadly, we live in a Christian age where preachers are preaching things and doing exactly what they say you should not do. Breaks my heart to mention some names, but here are some names. Jim Backer was a pastor of a mega church in South Carolina, sentenced to 45 years imprisonment. For stealing $158 million from his congregation. Jimmy Swagger was caught with a prostitute in New Orleans in 1988. Ted Haggard, a big pastor in the States, paid for a male prostitute in 2006. Eddie Long, in 2010, was accused of messing around with young men. In his church. Why do I mention that? I tell you why. Because Paul says around and says this. As it's written. God's name is blasphemed. Among the Gentiles. Because of you. Because of you. Preaching something. And doing wickedness. People turn around and say. You know this God business. This Bible business. This Jesus business. I'll have nothing to do with it. Because I see the hypocrisy in the preachers. I see the hypocrisy in the pastors. And I don't want nothing to do with it. And they turn away from the word of God. And the name of Jesus. Is blasphemed. Because of you. Says Paul. 
I was speaking to uh, my friend um, Hughes, who um, used to work for the charity commission. He tells me that the charity commission that he used to work in the department used to investigate charities. And they investigate churches. Churches who misuse the money given to them. Now the people who are working in Hughes' old office will turn around and say to Hughes, don't talk to me about Jesus Christ. Don't talk to me about the gospel. Because I've seen what the church does. I've seen the hypocrisy. I see the lying. Don't talk to me about this. And the name of Jesus Christ is blasphemed. Now, my dear friends, the question I need to put to you and to myself is this. How are you living? That's the question. How am I living? Telling others that they should obey the word of God. And yet we ourselves are not obeying the word of God. We need to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we need to be doing. We need to be living in the power of the Holy Spirit. Filled, outpoured upon our lives. Indwelling us so that we might live lives differently. I'm preaching for you and myself to live differently from those outside. And the only way you can live differently is by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That grace not only forgives you for sin, but it empowers you to live differently. So that men and women can look at you and say about you, there's something different about that man. There's something different about that woman. I don't know what it is. He hasn't opened his mouth very much, but it's something different about them. And, and I want to say to you this morning, it's because the spirit of the living God can dwell within you and help you to live and to walk as you ought to walk. So sad, isn't it? That you stop someone in the street and say, come to church. And they will say, no, I won't come to that church because I know that Mr. Bloggs go to that church. And if you know Mr. Bloggs, as I know Mr. Bloggs, you wouldn't be anywhere near him. The name of Jesus is blasphemed because of Christians living badly. Well, let's move on because um, as we move on about, about that, I think I just need to pray. I think I need to pray because I think we need help. Let's bow our heads, shall we just pray? God, I, I just want to come before you and pray that you may forgive us, Lord. For, Father, we have looked in our own hearts, Lord, and so often we have overlooked the hypocrisy that's there. And I want to pray, Lord, that you will forgive us, Lord. Cause us, O oh God Almighty, to turn away from that which is wrong, that which is evil, if we are confessing the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you will help us to turn away, Lord, from the things that men and women look at and, and turn away from us and turn away from the gospel because of us. Oh, God Almighty, I pray for your mercy. 
to be upon your church, not only on this church, but oh God, in so many different places around the world. That the preachers will preach with integrity and live with honesty. Pray that you'll forgive, oh God Almighty, where there has not been integrity, where there has not been honesty. Pray, oh God, that your mercy will come and you will raise up a people, Lord, that will bring praise to your name, not disgrace to the name of Jesus. Oh God, help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Neglecting the responsibility. Finally, my third and final point this morning. Oh, I would need to just put that verse in there. Look what it says. Somebody said to me the other day that the Bible, you might be the only letter that someone will read in the Bible. They may never ever read a part of the Bible at all, but they will look at you and you will be the Bible that they read. And Paul says to the church, you yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. Neglecting the spirit, finally neglecting the spirit. Sometimes it's important to take away the very thing that a person trusts in. Like a little toddler, you see a little child on their their bike and they've got stabilizers on. And they can ride their bike really quick down the road and they think they're riding for England, but they don't realize that they've got stabilizers on. If you take the stabilizers off, the bike's going to fall flat on its face. Well, here Paul is going to take away something from the Jews that they're trusting in. What is it? And I want you to follow me very carefully because here Paul um, begins an argument in chapter 2 that he carries on. What does he take away? Because people love putting confidence in tradition. They love putting confidence in religious practices. I've heard Christians say things like, you know, because I've been baptised... I'm a Christian. I don't like this baptism as a baby. That doesn't mean anything. But I've been baptized as an adult. And now I've been baptized, I know that I'm a Christian. I want to tell you, baptism does not save you. I want to tell you that. Some people turn around and say things like, oh, you know, I've come to church and I've taken communion. And you know, when I took the wine and the bread, there's a tingly feeling going on in my body. And I feel a little glow about me. I'm sure I'm near to God. I want to tell you something. Communion does not save you. And some people put all their hope and all their trust in tradition and in religious practice. But these religious practices cannot save you at all. And so Paul now takes these men and he says to them are you Jews I want to speak to you God has given you circumcision God has given that through Abraham and Abraham circumcised his son and Moses told you you should circumcise your sons and they held on to it tenaciously that's it we're Jews, we're different, we got circumcision and they held on it tenaciously 
Now Paul wants to break that down. Look what he says. Circumcision has value if you observe the law. But if you break the law, you have become as though you had not been circumcised. So then, if those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements, will they not be regarded as though they were circumcised? In other words, Paul says this. You Jews are holding on to circumcision, are you? Very well. That is only one part of the law. How about the rest of them? Are you keeping all the rest? Because if you break any of them, even one of them, your circumcision has no value. That's what he's saying. You can keep your circumcision and break all the laws of God and think that because I'm circumcised, God loves me. I'm favored by the Lord. But you're breaking this command. Paul says, you know what? Your circumcision has no value. But you say, Abraham gave it to me. Moses passed it down. It means nothing. God gave it to us. It means nothing. If you don't obey all of God's commandments, your circumcision is worthless. Has no value. Now, this is a major indictment on the church because Jesus Christ, in so many people's lives, the Lord Jesus Christ has been reduced to a cross on the wall. Oh, I've got a cross in my bedroom. I feel so safe. Oh, I've got a Bible and I open it up and I put it on my pillow. I sleep perfectly. You know, I had a strange man... He meant well, but he came to my house. He said to me, Jerry, what's something for you? I said, well, what is it? Come to the car. So I came to the car, and as he opened the back of the car, he pulled out a four-foot-high statue of Jesus. <laughs> he said to me, now Jesus could be in your house. <laughs> Trying to carry Jesus into my house. When I put it down, Rachel came home and she was shocked to see Jesus standing there. You see, people put their confidence in some strange things. I know people who love buildings more than love Jesus Christ. Oh, my church. Oh, my church. I love my church, they say. And they put all their confidence in the building. But Jesus is not loved as much as their building. It could be a small place like this or cathedral in London. But these buildings are held in more higher esteem than Jesus Christ. You know, I was at a, me and King was at a, a, um, a baby's um, naming service, an African baby naming service. So I recognize not only buildings are, are held in great honor, I recognize that people as well, Catholics can't wait to touch the Pope. And when he comes near, they almost faint. And I was there at this naming ceremony with um, myself and there was two other, three other pastors. And as I was standing there with them and, and people was coming in, I noticed that people were kneeling down to the first pastor and kissing his hand. And then he came down to the next pastor and kneeled down and kissed his hand, and I was next. 
what foolishness. What foolishness. I said, get up. Every get up, I'm just a man like you. What do you mean kneeling down in front of kissing my hand? Because these people have been told that somehow the man is so important. What foolishness in our modern day is focus upon the outward, the outward, the outward. Focus upon the baptism or the communion, upon holy water, or crossing your body, or touching a certain thing, or going to a certain place. It's outward, 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 all the time. And nothing about what goes on inside. Look what Jesus said. Look what Paul says. A person is not a Jew who is only one only outwardly. No, his circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is circumcision of the heart. By who? By the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul is saying right here. The cry of this chapter is that the Spirit is to come upon you. He appears here in order to work in your heart, to transform you on the inside. Too many Christians are outside Christians. Look at me. I'm in church. I'm raising my hand. I'm bowing my knee. Look at me. But God says, I want to work inside you. I want to circumcise your heart. The cry of this chapter 2. It's just as strong as the cry in chapter 1, maybe even stronger. You have been given much. You have been given the word of God. You have been given so much. But the outward forms of faith are not important if the inward movement of the spirit connecting with your spirit, connecting with your soul. The cry of God must be put down, my dear friends. This is what God will say to you this morning. Put down religion. Put down showmanship. Put down performance. Put down pretense. Put down hypocrisy. Put down false motives. Put them all down, God will say to you. And allow the spirit of God to come and do a work within you. Never mind the outside. Never mind the dresses and the hats and the clothes. Never mind what you do on the outside. Get real with God on the inside. That is the cry of Romans chapter 2. It's the spirit of God working within you. Well, someone will say to me as I close, how do I know when God is working in me? How would I know You're preaching about the spirit working inside. How would I know that the spirit of God is working in me? I'll tell you how you know. You will know when you're more concerned about what God thinks about you than what man thinks about you. You will know when you're more concerned about getting God's approval, about getting God's honor, about getting God's praise, or getting God's hand clap and God's tap on your back. You've been far more concerned with getting God's praises than you would about what man is saying to you. That's how you will know that God is working in your spirit. God is working in your heart. That's how you will know when you turn around and say, you know what, I don't care that you curse me down. I don't care that you hate me. I don't care that I'm despised and rejected by men. I know that I've got an approval in heaven and I know that God smiles at me even though you frown at me. Then you will know 
that the Spirit of God is at work within you. Whose approval are you after this morning? Are you only here, amen? Are you only here because you're just with a mate? I'm glad you're here. But when you leave, my prayer will be, oh God, send that person out those doors with a desire to win your approval. Even though man doesn't want to approve them or to tell them they're doing well, may they know that your spirit is working within their hearts and causing them to be transformed and changed. My dear friends, you have been entrusted with much. God himself is calling you to a closer walk with him. Not outward religion. Not the religion of the the Catholics and the Muslims and other people like the outward forms. Oh, I wear my white clothes today. It's Friday. Everybody knows that I've been to the mosque. No, 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 no. It's not about that. It's about what's going on in your heart. And God wants to call you into a closer communion with him. Enter in, not just your body, but enter into your soul. Enter into your spirit. That you and him might have fellowship. Indeed, my last verse is just Jesus' word. Jesus answered, very, very, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You must not be amazed. You must not be surprised that I say to you, You must be born again. For my spirit is not interested just in your body. My spirit is not just interested in your soul. But my spirit wants to come and connect with your spirit. That you might be born again into the newness of life. Before we just pray, I'm going to ask Jimmy Rowe to come up. And um, James, can you come up to lead us in worship as we close? But Jim's going to come and just close in prayer for us. Let's just bow our heads in prayer. Dear God, we just want to stay in your presence, Lord. We just want to thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you, Lord, for your teaching, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit being amongst us right now today, Lord, in, in your building, your church, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us, Lord. Please, God, we just pray, Lord, today, Lord. Please, God, please help us understand your word more today, Lord. Please, God, as we leave today, Lord, let us... Focus upon you, Lord, and not the rest of the world, Lord. But dear God, please help us to remember the things that we have been taught today. Please, God, teach us how to pick up your word this week, Lord. Teach us how to act when we're at work, Lord. Teach us how to act when we're driving, when we're shopping, in all the things that we're doing, Lord. Please, God, let us remember how you want us to act and not the rest of this world, Lord. Let us, please, God... Just do whatever it is that you want us to do, Lord. Dear God, give us the strength and the wisdom and the courage and the power and the Holy Spirit, Lord, that we need 
to be men and women of God. Dear God, let us not be afraid to stand up and be counted as Christian men and women this week as we leave today, Lord. Let us not be afraid to be different. Let us not be afraid to stand up for you, Lord, and say your name in public, Jesus' name in public, Lord. Let us not be afraid. You are with us, Lord. In the good times and the bad times, we know that you're with us, Lord. Let us remember to praise your name. This week, Lord, today, this afternoon, this evening, tonight, tomorrow morning, let us remember to worship you. Let us remember to text or ring someone up, a fellow Christian brother, Lord, and sister, encourage them. Dear God, you know, Lord, no matter what life is throwing at us, Lord, this week, Lord, let us remember to seek you in all that we do, and you will guide our paths. As long as we stay close to you, Lord, In Jesus' mighty, wonderful name, Lord, we praise your name, Jesus' name, and thank you for today. Amen.